0: Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. It is finished. Thank you Lord Jesus for those three precious words that we're going to explore today together. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was beaten. He was stripped. He was mocked. He was spat on. He had a crown of thorns driven into his head. And he was horrifically whipped and tortured and was made to carry the weight of the cross all the way up to Golgotha, the hill of the skull, where he would be publicly humiliated and put on display for all to see before finally having nine-inch iron nails hammered through his wrists and his feet before being left to die. And he did all of this willingly for you and for me, for you and for me. And we pick up the story, as we've heard, in John's Gospel, chapter 19, And verse 28 says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so he soaked a sponge in it, put a sponge on a stalk of a hyssop plant plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. Can everybody say, it is finished? It's finished. And with that, he bowed his head, and Jesus gave up his spirit. In these final words before his death, as he hung on that cross in excruciating agony, Jesus uttered these three powerful, amazing words. It is finished. So much is packed into these three words. But what did Jesus actually mean when he said it is finished? What was finished on that day 2,000 years ago? And what does it mean for us today? Well, first of all, hundreds of Old Testament prophecies had been fulfilled. Hundreds of messianic prophecies that were written hundreds of years earlier, anticipating what would happen to Jesus on that very day. Everything had been leading up to this point right here. It's written in Isaiah that Jesus would be despised and rejected by his own people. And he was. It was written in the Psalms that he'd be betrayed by one of his followers, and he was. It was also written in Isaiah that he'd be beaten and spat on, and he was. It was written that he'd be mocked and insulted, that he would be wounded and bruised. Zechariah wrote that he would be pierced. The Psalms say that he would die by crucifixion, and he did. It was also written in the Old Testament scriptures that he would suffer with criminals and pay the price for his persecutors and pray for his persecutors. And the Psalms say that they would cast lots for his clothing. As far back as Exodus, it said that none of his bones would be broken and they weren't. Psalm 22 said he would cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then right up until this point, It was written that he would be given vinegar. And then he says, it is finished. Hundreds of Old Testament prophecies predicting what would happen to Jesus. It is finished. Our three words in English actually translate as one word in the Greek. And it's this word, tetelestai. Can you say tetelestai? Tetelestai. So our, wo- our three words in English, it is finished, one word in Greek, tetelestai. And it means to finish, to bring to an end, to complete or to accomplish something. It's the word that you would use when you've climbed to the peak of a mountain. So you get to the top, you get to the peak and you go, I've done it, I've finished, I've made it, I've completed it. Tetelestai. Or when you've submitted uh, the final copy of your dissertation. I've done it, I've finished it. I've sent it in, completed, to telesty. Or it's the word that you would use when you cross the finish line of that 10K run that you've been training months for. I've done it. I've finished, complete, to telesty. accomplished. It means I did exactly what I set out to do, to Telestai. Now, me and my wife, Hannah, love To share a meal together. Hannah's the cook in our house. She's an incredible cook. Um, And she often cooks a roast dinner. So we'll have chicken, or we might have lamb or beef. Um, And we'll have all the the trimmings. So we'll have roast potatoes. We'll have uh, Yorkshire puddings, making you hungry. (laughs) Veggies, pigs in blankets, anyone. But every single time, without fail, Hannah will leave something on her plate every time. And she'll go, I've finished. And I'll look at her plate and, sh- and I'll go, you've not finished. There'll be one potato left, sometimes even one pea left on the plate. And she'll say, I've finished. And I'll say, give me that, because I'm different. When I say I'm finished, I really am finished. There's not a crumb left on my plate, which I probably need to repent for. Tetelestai, It is finished. Not a single crumb left on my plate. But this word, tetelestai, was commonly used when written on receipts in New Testament times to indicate that a bill had been paid in full. So when Jesus uttered those three words, or that one word, tetelestai, on the cross, he was announcing that a debt which was once owed had now been paid in full. Tetelestai. But what was the debt? What was owed? Well, in Romans 6.23, we read, for the wages or the price of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. The Bible uses weird, uh, strange language like sin and iniquity and transgression. It's not language or words we, we really often use in modern, contemporary, Western English culture. And they basically describe how messed up humanity is. These words can be off-putting, actually. Especially the word sin, it carries a lot of baggage. Some people have been hurt by others using this word sin against them. But through these words, we are given a deeply profound insight into our human nature. Iniquity describes behavior that is crooked. Transgression, refers to breaking trust. And the word sin in Hebrew, means to fail or to miss the goal or the target or to go our own way. As we know, in the beginning, we were created to be in relationship with God and with one another. And we know that Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden chose to go their own way. They sinned. They chose to do their own thing. Adam and Eve, by the way, are the only two in the Bible called Adam and Eve. Adam means human and Eve means life. So human life chose to go their own way. Human life chose to do its own thing. And as a result, corrupted humanity was separated from God. So sin is more than just doing bad things. Sin is ultimately the human condition. It's a failure to be people who can fully love God and fully love others. It's an innate selfishness that's in all of us that drives much of our behavior. And it's not a pretty picture of ourselves, is it, really? But if we're honest, it is realistic. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. It says the entire world is guilty before God. The message version puts it like this. We're all sinners, every one of us in the same sinking boat. There's nobody living right, not even one. They've all taken the wrong turn. They've all wandered down blind alleys. They don't know the first thing about living with others. They never give God the time of day. A friend of mine, um, another youth pastor, uh, teaches this acronym, which I'm about to show you on the screen, uh, to her young ones, her little, uh, little, little ones. So it's an acronym that says SIN, S-I-N. And it's deeply profound and deeply theological, okay? So I want you, I want you to get your thinking caps on because this is, this is deep stuff right here. It says this, Shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your ways. Can we do that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask her. I'm going to get, Jeff, here we go. Shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your ways. And we do the actions, so we go like this. Shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your ways. Can we do it? Shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your ways. Told you, deeply theological and profound. But it's true. That is the definition, the simple definition of sin. It's separation. It's doing anything apart from God. It's saying no to your ways. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to take autonomy over you. And because of humanity's inherent sin, we owed an outstanding debt. What were the wages of sin? Death. It was our bill to pay. We had run up the tab. We deserved to pay the price. But there's good news on this Good Friday. That debt that was owed for sin was paid once and for all by Jesus on the cross. Jesus himself said in the midst of his ministry that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. In Isaiah, Eugene Peterson in the message version puts it like this. It was our sin that did that to him. That put him on the cross that ripped and tore and crushed him our sins he took the punishment and that made us whole through his bruises we get healed we're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost we've all done our own thing we've all gone our own way and god has piled our sins everything we've done on him on him thanks to jesus sacrifice on the cross we are now reconciled, we're brought back to God. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are justified, that is, we are made right in God's sight. And when we put our faith in Jesus, when we turn back to him, we are adopted as sons and daughters back into his family. And we are freed from the penalty of sin. Jesus has paid the price in full. And he shouts in triumphant victory, to telestai, it is finished. Amen? Does anybody have that one friend who when you you go out together to a restaurant uh, and the bill comes, they conveniently have to nip off to the toilet or they conveniently have to go and take a phone call and you're left with the bill. Anybody have that one friend? You need a new friend. They don't have a phone call. They don't need the toilet. They're trying to avoid paying the bill. Jesus didn't avoid the bill. Jesus, the sinless, spotless Savior, willingly pays the bill for all of humanity. He says, I'll pay the bill, not only for you, but for you and you and you and me and you and you. Jesus has covered the cost. Starter, main, and dessert. He's paid it all. He says, this one's on me. I've got this one. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've hurt, how bad you've messed up, how far you've gone astray, Jesus says, I'll pay the price for your sin. I'll pay the price for your shame and your regret and your mistakes and your unforgiveness, your hurt and your anger. This one's on me. Jesus has paid the full price for our sins so that we can be free from its penalty. Why Jesus? Jesus went to the cross because we couldn't. It was a price we could never pay, an unpayable debt by human standards. Because we're fallen and fallible, we needed a savior who was perfect and powerful. Because we're fallen and fallible, we needed a saviour who was perfect and powerful. So when Jesus cried, it is finished, to tell us die, it really was finished. Unlike Hannah, there really was nothing left on the plate. It's like dusting off your hands, sitting back in your chair. Here's one I prepared earlier. And saying, to tell us die job done it's finished and because he declared it is finished on the cross 2000 years ago we're invited to sit and to rest in that truth I had a little book that I wanted to show you but I've left it in my bag I've just been reading a book by a Chinese Christian called Watchman Nee anybody heard of this guy? legend, hey? Uh, The book is called Sit, Walk, Stand, and it's a study of Ephesians. You've read this book. Yeah, you probably gave it to me, yeah. Yeah. I think it was a book written in the, what era? Decade? It's a classic. It's a classic. Watchman Nee, Sit, Walk, Stand, I recommend. Study of Ephesians. And Nee says that the word sit used in Ephesians is the key to a true Christian experience. It's the secret of a heavenly life. He says our walk with God must begin first and foremost by sitting in the knowledge of Christ's complete work. So I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures on the screen. Ephesians 1 verses 20 to 21 says, God raised Christ from the dead and seated him. Can everybody say seated him? Seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Then we read in the next chapter, Ephesians 2, verses 6 to 9. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Did you catch it? God has seated Christ at the right hand of God, and he seats us with him. Nee goes on to explain that God has made us to sit with Christ in the heavenly places And every Christian must begin his spiritual life from this place of rest. Sitting is an attitude of rest. Something has been finished to tell us "Die, work stops and we simply sit. When we walk or stand or run, We bear all the weight of our body on our legs, don't we? But when we sit, our entire weight rests on the chair. When we sit down, we relax because the strain is no longer on our uh, muscles, our joints, our bones, our nerves. But our weight is on something outside of ourselves. The same is true of our spiritual lives. To sit down in Ephesians is simply to rest our whole weight, our load, our being, our future, our everything on something outside of ourselves, upon God. So, we're invited to sit down and to rest in the finished work that Jesus has already achieved on the cross, to sit in his love, to sit in his mercy, to sit in his grace. And Watchman Nee says, Christianity begins not with a big do, but with a big done. There it is. Not with a big do, but with a big done. To tell us that it's finished. Take a seat. God offers this free gift to each of us. And all we have to do is accept this free gift of grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor towards an undeserving humanity. What is grace? God's unmerited favor towards an undeserving humanity. I've got another acronym for you. There it is. Grace, God's riches at Christ's Expense. Grace is that we get to inherit the kingdom of heaven, eternal life, not through anything we do, but at the expense of Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love. You can't win His affection, you can't buy His love. There's no amount of striving, tithing, or serving. There's no bar that is set, no criteria that you have to meet, nothing you're expected to do. Because Jesus has already done it. So take a seat this Easter weekend. And rest and sit in his finished work. Tetelestai. It is finished.